our voice. Our future. Join us as we explore the real power of Youth Rising. Youth Rising. Youth Rising. The Youth Rising podcast by NCS. Welcome to Youth Rising by NCS, the podcast for young people by young people. In this podcast, you'll hear youth-driven stories from right across England about the issues that matter to young people right now. Each episode will be covering two stories from across a spectrum of topics, ranging from the environment, mental health, social justice, plus equality and diversity. From the editorials, reporting and editing, this podcast is run by a group of 16 to 19-year-olds. We're taking control of our content And now is the time to hear young people share the story of us, told by us, voicing our opinions. This podcast is happening all thanks to NCS, the summer programme for 16 to 17 year olds that helps turn all those no you can'ts into no we can. In this episode, we'll be focusing on meme culture, the effects it has on people's mental health, how they can be educational and give a sense of community. And for our second story, we'll be delving into the world of fast fashion and how we can make better sustainable choices. So let's get straight into the first story. As a generation, we are obsessed with memes. We literally find out some of the biggest world news from our feeds. Memes are manipulated images, videos or GIFs that are used on the internet for humour or to spread social and cultural commentary. The most successful memes can be seen by millions of people as they spread across timelines and homepages and feeds and all sorts. You may have seen that recent meme sort of going around of Shakira from the Super Bowl. It's literally been blowing up on the internet. So that obviously is a meme and people have literally jumped right onto it. So we thought it would be a great idea to bring a panel together and we just got together and really discussed this cultural new movement of memes. Our discussion was led by our reporter, Callan, so check it out. Okay, so our podcast is on meme culture. So from the research, we identified a load of key areas. Firstly, it's the idea that young people are sort of susceptible to influence. We've also got the ideas of sort of mental health alongside the idea of politics as well and how it can really influence that. So first things first, we're just going to introduce ourselves. So my name is Cal. I'm 19 years old, come from Bedford down the south of England, and uh, I'm working for... uh, for these Youth Rising podcasts to create them. And this is our first one on meme culture. Yeah, hi, um, my name's Eleanor. I'm one of the hosts on Youth Rising. I'm 18 and excited to get involved with this discussion with these guys. Hi, my name is Musin. I'm 17 years old and I'm also one of the hosts for the Youth Rising podcast. My name's Khalid. I'm the old man around the table. I'm 28 <laughs> um, and I've worked in for a while in the music industry and for social media platforms running... Um, basically meme platforms that's what I'm here to talk about. Awesome and Leila do you want to introduce yourself? Sure I'm Leila I'm an award-winning journalist and writer from London and I'm quite fond of a meme. (laughs) (laughs) We all are. Okay awesome so first things first I think just a general introduction of what we what we consider memes just for everyone to be aware so Memes are usually an image or video with captions that others can relate to, and obviously they're highly used on social media. Um, so there are two key sort of sites through the research that we found. So there was a site called Nine Gag, which was launched in July 2008. It's where users can upload and share their contents. And in November 2017, there was over 223 million visitors to the site. So this is something really popular, something that really people engage with. And what I was really keen to find out was about the idea, because at the start, 
you, what you initially associate with it is just sort of silly images with captions, just sort of a quick laugh. But from the research, we've really found out that it can be used in a more sophisticated manner to give like young people a voice and really strike change. And I'm sure that's something a lot of you guys will agree with as well, is that it really can be used in a really positive way. Um, and it's something we'll come on to later with political leaders. They're also using it and engaging with it as well. So I think that's really, really important. So our main, our first sort of key focus area is the idea of mental health. Um, and so we're going to be talking about that in the sense that sort of with memes, um, you could sort of have that overnight sort of sudden fame and sort of the negative implications of it because all eyes are on you and, all, and you have a lot of pressure on you. And it's not like YouTube, for instance, where you build your platform over a number of years. It's really sudden and it can be difficult for some people to sort of deal with. Like, what do you guys sort of think about that? Like with the mental health side, because obviously it can be difficult if you're just a, a regular person and the next day you have all of these eyes on you, for instance. It obviously can have a very positive impact on on, on a lot of people's lives mm. becoming overnight um, celebrity, but obviously the negative impacts of they've not been prepared at all for what comes with that. So like the industry and, you know, all of a sudden they're getting, you know, big businesses knocking on their door and, you know, they 90% of the time don't have no sort of management or any things like that. So it's like they have to learn a lot of things the hard way. Mm. And also, a lot of the time, these people didn't expect to go essentially viral. So, you know, they're still living in a certain place, in a certain area. Yeah, Suddenly, 100%. people are knocking on their door. And do you know what I mean? It's mm. like, it can come with a lot that they wouldn't expect. And then all of a sudden, you know, money as well. Um, mm. You know, they suddenly, when these businesses start knocking on their door and they start getting lump sums of money, the hate that comes with that, the not knowing how to handle the money, that, you know what I mean? So there's yeah. so many different aspects to it that we can kind of mm. possibly go into. But yeah. It's crazy because I feel like it's, you kind of described it as like a, um, a video or an um, image with a caption, but like there's so much more behind it. Of course, that, isn't yeah, 100%. It? Like you were kind of talking about, kind of, um, it can just like blow up mm-hmm. real quick. Yeah. I agree I like with this, actually. Um, I actually read an interview, I think it was the last week or week before, about, um, so you know the meme of the crying girl? And um, it was a really interesting story. She was actually an actress. And what had happened is she'd done that, this, uh, the, she'd taken a picture of herself crying, um, and it became used as a stock photo. And then what had actually happened is that, obviously, that went viral. Mm. And she was actually talking about the fact that, despite the fact that, a lot of people globally knew her face and she still gets recognised into this day. Um, there's a money issue where she was only given about £800 because of the stock photo, but in fact it's been used uh, probably thousands to millions yeah, sure. um, all the time. And obviously that's got to have some kind of effect um, on her mental health, even just purely because of the financial effort that everyone knows her, her mm. face. And mm. I think a lot of them... Um, Love Island staff talk about this as well, that everyone knows their face, but they're not exactly making the money off it. And that's why it's so hard to go back to a normal job. So I think that's a really interesting... 100%. Yeah. I think yeah. one of the things as well to that can um, make it a lot more dangerous is just, you know, there's people who their their whole livelihoods and their industry, they is based upon exploiting, in a sense, people that have gone viral through meme culture and things like that. I mean, there's companies and people that are, as soon as they see someone's getting a bit of a buzz, Mm -hmm. they automatically, you know, jump on them and try to get 
them to sign something and then they sort of use them and you know that i've seen instances where someone has for instance gone gone viral and then some companies come and offered them some money that they've never seen in their life yeah but they don't realize that you know essentially you you're worth a lot more than that like mm-hmm. if you were to not sign this exclusive contract or something or, or, or so on and so forth and then like like she just said there you know someone who got paid 800 pound is then got getting you know their face getting shown all over the world used for this campaign used for that use you know what i mean and then in a sense they've been exploited because there's people who've studied this and worked in this for 10 15 years and then they're going and you know getting someone who's unexperienced who's blown up overnight and and getting them to sign something and then exploiting them in a sense. Mm. I, I think quite often when it comes to meme pages is the people that go viral, their fame is often short-lived. Mm. Um, yeah. You look at so many examples of people that have gone famous of a meme culture is because they don't know how to, you know, monetize their success, you know, make money off their success. And also mm. they don't know what, how to develop it because the reason that be, they became famous is because of that meme. Now they don't have anything more to offer other than that meme and I think when it comes to that success that they gain if someone is in that position they need to think you have to think quite strategically from a business perspective of you know how am I going to continue that success and I think one of the best examples I can think of right now is probably man's too hot you know when he's taking man's not hot sorry (laughs) (laughs) man's not hot Um, I think he used his his you know viral success and turn that into a you know marketing strategy, a way mm. to develop his music career, and I think that led him on to more opportunities, you know, with BBC Radio One and all those other opportunities. I think people need to be careful how they're going to continue and ride that success that they gain from a, from social media. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because um, there are actually two different types of um, of people who actually uh, managed to get quite famous. Like, so you remember Overly Attached Girlfriend? Yeah. So she's still actually made, even up to a couple of months ago, has still been riding that fame and she's really done that really, really well. Mm. And also that's the same with the... Um, the, the elderly man meme. So he's the one with the kind of the face of where he's on the phone and he looks so hide the pain Harold, that yeah. meme. And um, he had an interview in The Guardian about a month or two ago and he was talking about how he still managed to ride his fame even again up to now. So um, it is a case of how how and can these people monetize um, through the memes. And I do think some people are doing it very, very successfully. But mm. then also I read another interview with, do you know the, one of the best memes of all time, in my opinion? <laughs> um, the one of the girl in the club and her and a guy's chatting in her ear. Yes, of course. Mm. Yeah. That one. And it's really interesting because that boy was actually one of her friends, but um, Mean Culture kind of described it as a guy that was hitting on her. Mm. And she described it as in her yeah. uni, in her uni hometown, everyone knows who she is, but she's just trying to be a normal student. And in the case of her, compared to Only Attached Girlfriends and um, Hide the Pain Harold, she hasn't really monetized that. So it is a case about how are people going to harness that and I think it's really interesting people have done it successfully Mm. I think Leila that raises another really Mm. interesting point about like the way things can be completely misread by the audiences or how things can be like completely changed from their original meaning so for Mm. example like that guy he was supposed to be just a friend not a guy hitting on her and then now he's known as the guy that 
hit on that girl in that meme. And he mm. wasn't even trying to do that. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of times they're just not expecting it. Like with those memes and stuff like that, I'm sure they weren't expecting for it to blow up the way mm. it did. Do you know what I mean? You just you just create a piece of art and yeah. then it just happens like that. I think, I think one of the difficulties as well is that um, once you've blown up, when you do want to sort of monetize on it, whether you intended to blow up, like maybe someone like... Um, you know, Michael Dapper, who done Man, Man's Not Hot, mm. or someone who didn't intend to blow up. One of the difficulties with, with meme culture is once you go viral within a meme, it's if you want to step out of whatever that meme was, sometimes society doesn't want you to. And it's, 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 it's like you gave a really good example when you're talking about the Man's Not Hot thing, because even though he is, he's a very good comedian and actor and writer and a very talented individual, but he i've seen interviews where he spoke about how difficult it is for him to step out of that character because people mm. just want to see that character so when he tries to introduce other things other characters and you know his the breadth of his of his talents you know it's just like oh we try and no we want to see man's not mm. hot because that's what mm. went viral of course so there's that difficulty that comes with going viral and meme culture as well yeah i think that's that's really interesting itself because it's kind of like that's probably why so many articles have been written about oh this is what this person looks like and for example with um success kid success kid now is a lot older than obviously his meme but yeah. i think people find it so fascinating when they kind of see those before and after and buffy's love writing about that kind of thing oh here's what mm. success kid looks like now and obviously to us it's so shocking that they're not that person anymore even though that's how we perceive them as mm. Yeah, and it, it's a weird sense of like, um, it goes, you know, it reminds me of celebrities in general when they're, you know, when pe people are covering, it, covering them on magazines and things like that. It's almost like people have a sense of like, we own you now. Like, you know, I've used your meme, I've shared your meme, you're, yeah. you're, you're viral now, but we, we, in a sense, we own the direction of where you're going. It's like a sense of, <laughs> it's a weird sense of entitlement to where you think that that person or what box that that person should fit in yeah people expect them to play up to whatever that is which could be and that goes back to the mental health issue if that person suddenly decides that they want to do something else or they don't even want to be famous no more they don't want to be involved in that lane you know it's almost like they don't have a choice in it because the people have taken it now and you know you you know there's millions of people are tweeting about you and you know as much as a lot of it can be positive, there's going to be just as much negative. 100%. And even on a human level, I'm sure you guys remember a few years ago, there's a game called Flappy Birds. Mm. This game was a massive meme. And the creator, Don Le Guin, he removed the game from the online stores because of all the negative comments and feedback he got. And for me, this was like one of my key points I always talk about is the idea that as human beings, I feel we're not designed to be famous because obviously we we look for positivity, we look for people to give us support and stuff like that, and we care what people think. And I think it's a lot of time why celebrities do go off the deep end, because mm. it's, it's not a natural position for us as human beings to be in. Mm. Um, and like, for instance, if, you, if you're if you a YouTuber and you uploaded a video and you had like 100 positive comments and then one negative comment, so obviously that one negative comment is what will eat away inside you. And it's mm. just, it can be really, really difficult because it is, it's just an anonymous platform ultimately where people can just hide behind the screen and sort of project their own insecurities. Um, and with meme culture, it can be quite difficult for people to sort of, you know, get past that and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So absolutely. I think you raised quite an interesting point because when it comes to like meme culture, it's quite different to, you know, being a YouTuber. Yeah. Um, there's no ingredient for meme culture. You know, you, you just go viral and it's 
unexpected. And that's the difference between, you know, a person that grows on the internet, grows a brand, has a YouTube channel. They start from nothing and then they build their way up. And I exactly. think when fame comes, it's it's in these small mm. steps and people start they to deal with it easier. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Whereas with meme culture, you overnight you become a meme and you that's could it. you could go viral. And I think that's why the media industry, especially in newspapers, they don't take these um, meme celebrities so seriously because there's an argument that they didn't earn the success and they didn't earn the privilege of having an audience. And that's why a lot of newspapers don't endorse these um, these meme celebrities because, yes, they have an audience, but there's no sustainability. How long is their you know, success going to last? Is mm. it just because of that one meme that they're successful or can they, you know, have different, like, have more things to offer? Now that they've got I their platform, I'm, yeah. I think following up on your point, actually, it's quite interesting about the difference between memes and YouTube stars. I think what makes memes so interesting to people and why they always go viral is because it's so organic. It's yeah. so real. It's not, it's not convoluted. They're not going on... Um, they're not bringing out their tripod and saying, oh, let's try and become the next mm. big thing. Mm. It is actually what happens really, really organically. Mm. And I think that's what does so well. So, for example, with Shanice on Love Island, she was clapping really slowly, and that spawned a dozen memes. Oh. And I think... Um, I think I think people love seeing things that kind of are reflective of them and their, and what they're thinking. Um, so I think that that's a really interesting point. Ultimately, yeah, and anyone can just become a meme. It's not like as we were saying with YouTube and stuff like where you build a platform. It's anybody can just become a meme overnight. Uh, so this next session is about the idea that young people are particularly susceptible to influence. So I'm sure you guys knew about the Area 51 memes, mm. etc. Um, mm. And sort of the main idea around this is the idea that it sort of desensitizes us to danger in a sense because people are so conscious of the fact they want to be popular, they want everyone to think they're funny, etc. And they're willing to literally put their lives on the line mm -hmm. to that extent to go to Area 51. But even with like a few years ago, the Soul and Ice Challenge and stuff like that, it's the same concept. People mm -hmm. are willing to actually put themselves in pain and stuff like that just to seem apparent and current. It's just sort of crazy. And it's obviously particularly young people because they're... And I wonder why, why it is more young people than old people who do these sorts of things. Like, do you guys have any ideas or... Yeah, I think there's a cultural shift when it comes to young people. Mm. This is my opinion. I think that the older generation tend to be more patient, whereas as the ages get younger... People are impatient because they want instant gratification. Absolutely. They want they want to see things, and that reflects on Instagram. You know, the way that Instagram designed the app is for you to become addicted to it. You're scrolling yeah. down, and you're instantly seeing these these you know these memes. That's the reason why TikTok blew up is because mm. it's short, it's funny, and it's instant, and that's what people want. I feel like an another thing that that's really interesting is with everything, there's almost two sides to it. So like there oh. is that really dark side to it and then another thing that I don't know what you guys thought about you know recently the World War 3 memes yes, of course. going crazy yeah. on yeah. socials mm -hmm. um, for me I didn't fully I think they started coming out like the night after that whole incident and mm -hmm. I, I didn't even know about the incident and mm -hmm. I literally found out mm -hmm. about what it was going on by Through looking at memes yeah, yeah. and being like wait what's going on right now <laughs> and then it was like all these memes about World War 3 I was like whoa World War 3 time and then that's how I found out about it and with so mm -hmm. many like for example political stuff as well I feel like you end up finding out so mm, much. Yeah, mm. So with mm. everything, you've got that good side, you've got that bad yeah. side. And I guess it's about whose hands it's in, who has an agenda with what, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, mm. even with the World War Three, I remember ended up seeing some like, mm. for example, people in the military mm. being like, actually, this isn't a joke. Mm. Like 100%. we're actually going to 
if if there is going to be a war, we're going to be fighting. So all these memes about World War Three is really not as funny exactly. as you think. However, mm. you could make the point, um, perhaps by making it sort of a joke in a sense, people can approach yeah, it easy and cope true. with it and stuff like that. Mm. Because a lot of time with these issues and it's with personal things, it's really difficult to talk about. So if you sort of apply some humour to it, it can sort of help people deal with it a bit better. And I think that's how a lot of people might sort of deal mm. with it. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think yeah. actually, and this kind of brings me on to an article that Amelia Tate uh, wrote a few years ago for the new statement and she talked about how memes actually have the power to make people feel less alone mm. and I think that's I think that's very true so for example if someone's really struggling with let's say anxiety and then they can see memes and say oh I'm not alone so on the opposite spectrum of what mm. we're saying is that I do think they have the capacity to make you feel a little bit better about the situations that you're in and a little bit that you feel that you can deal with situations more and know that other people are using memes to deal with their issues as well. Mm. And I think that's really important um, as a society, actually. Mm. Because it's kind of like a safe way to kind of talk about your feelings um, that otherwise you kind of think are quite isolating, maybe. Mm. 100%. So that was really, really good points. So I think we'll come on to our final topic. Do you sort of view memes as sort of positive to society and valuable? Because obviously they can be used as sort of a, a way of trolling people and sort of in a silly way. But do you think, like, as we've been discussing, can be used to sort of empower people and strike change? It's an interesting one because I actually do see them as quite a positive influence on society in the sense mm. that I do think it kind of unifies people and it gives them, for some people at least, a sense of community. Mm. And I do think it can bring some sort of small joy in the world when sometimes it doesn't feel like there's sort of any joy and I think um, when you see memes that are reflective of something that you've thought about or something that you and your friends have talked about and then you send it it almost feels like oh you're all in the same boat together I do think memes uh, do have the power to for example can they can be slightly negative for example they can exist in your own echo chamber and they can also disseminate false information but I think largely I do think they have quite a positive impact on society and I'm quite a bigger meme fan so yeah of course <laughs> as we all are <laughs> and um so yeah i do think and i i would be intrigued to hear other people's opinions on that for example if they do think they're overwhelmingly negative mm. um but for me i think they are quite a positive tool on that question i'd be 50 50 with it i think there's a lot of um as much as we did i think we majorly discussed a lot of negatives today mm. but i think there is yeah. a lot of positives as well in terms of like awareness is always a positive can not always a positive thing but always has positive attributes to it so mm. you can raise awareness of certain things and just like a quick example I, for instance there's certain things that in my life growing up when there wasn't certain meme culture um, there were certain things that I used to think to myself, is that just me? Like even certain <laughs> things. And then I saw memes where it's like certain medical issues or things like that. Or, you know, <laughs> it's you not know just when, me. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or you know when you sleep and you wake up mm. and you feel like you're falling and things yeah, like that. Yeah, where yeah. You, you, may, yeah you, you may yeah, not yeah. you may not ask other people, mm. do you go through this? Or do you, because yeah. you feel like it's but a weird thing. That everyone, that everyone can relate. Yeah, but everyone, everyone can relate. It's the questions and, you didn't know. It's the questions you didn't know existed. And you're like, you see something, you're like, Oh, so I think that it's can fun. be such a yeah. positive aspect to, to mm. memes and social media culture is awareness and spreading, mm. in a sense, knowledge of yeah. very specific things. Mm. And it's it's some, to be you funny, know what I mean? Like exactly. Like and meme culture is supposed to be fun culture. But there's, as I said, there's the other there's dark the other, side yeah, that we yeah, that we yeah, spoke yeah. about. So I'm Hopefully 50, people stay this long and we're just depressed and they're listening to this part as well. It's all good. It's all good. 
yeah, that's my, my side of things. Um, Khaled, I actually agree with you because I think that it does have its balance. I think when it comes to memes, there's a good side and there's a, there's a bad side. Um, we hear this idea of globalization where it's mm. the world becoming a smaller place and, you know, people from other countries are able to relate. So there's a sense of unity. Yeah. Um, there's also, when it comes to relationships, I know the classic meme is tag your bae and it's tagging mm, your girl, yeah, 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 we're tagging yeah, yeah. your girlfriend. Yeah, and so yeah. you tag your girlfriend and she'd see it and she'd get happy. So there's that good side to it. <laughs> <Carly>. um, <laughs> um, but then there's the negative side. And I think which what, can be scary. which is scary mm. is that a lot of people get their awareness of society. They get their political awareness from memes and, you know, the question is, how accurate are memes? Sure. You know, we're seeing younger people being informed about the news through memes. Mm. And, you know, we're seeing this, again, a cultural shift where younger people are less likely to read the newspapers, read up on news. And so how accurate are the things that we are reading? And I think there's, again, this shift where people are seeing things more as a joke. People want instant gratification. It has its advantages and disadvantages. But for the most part, I personally don't like memes. I think it can be really? funny. I, I think it can be funny, but I think it's toxic. And I think mm. it makes people addicted to their phones. Mm. And for the most part, there's negativity on mm. meme pages from my experience. So, mm. I do, I do follow meme pages, yeah, 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 yeah. but I don't necessarily condone it. I'm not going to lie. I think I slightly disagree. Like, I love mm. I love memes because kind of like you said, it can bring like genuine joy. And like um, Khaled as well, like you were saying it that relatability sense and like, oh my gosh, everyone wakes up, feels like they're falling. Mm. It's like crazy. But I think the big point for me is sort of... Um, the negative, the negative side can come when you're just in your echo chamber, like we spoke about, yeah. and literally all you see is is opinions that are exactly the same as you. And like we were saying, like the algorithm is sort of designed to let you see what is going to keep you happy. Exactly. So I don't know, maybe it's like a, a challenge to the social media platforms, which I doubt are listening, but if they're listening, like to somehow let people expand their horizons and maybe it's not something that the social media platforms will ever do for us and something that we have to initiate for ourselves and mm. we have to decide actually let me let me say for example a liberal says actually I'm gonna follow a conservative page mm. so that I'm actually informed on what they are talking about and what their policies are and who they are as a person and etc etc maybe follow someone on Twitter so we're not just constantly surrounded by people with the same opinions of that we have okay so thank you guys for joining me it's been a really interesting discussion i think the key points we touched on is like really important with the mental health aspects and the young people and stuff like that so uh thank you guys so much for joining me and uh, it's been a pleasure thank you thank you thank you so thanks so much to Khalid, a professional social media manager. Um, also Layla, an award-winning journalist and writer. Musin, the other presenter of this podcast, and our reporter Callan, who led the discussion. I think one of my biggest takeaways from the entire discussion that we had was sort of the idea that meme culture is essentially meant to be funny culture. We're not really supposed to violate one another out here. We just want to have a good time and, you know... Let's take it for what it is and let's try and be lighthearted about it. Right, so in this section, we're getting the team to reflect on the process of making this podcast, what they learn, where they face challenges and what they'll do next time. 
It's basically a look at the story behind the story. Myself and Musin reflected on the discussion straight after the recording, and here's how we felt. I think that one thing this kind of from this panel discussion I've sort of learned is that I don't really need to fear my own voice, which sounds a bit strange, but when you have those headphones on, like literally it's like surround sound of your own voice and everyone else's voice. But I think, yeah, I like I don't need to be afraid of my voice. And even if it sounds different to me, probably sounds quite similar to what people hear. And so I don't know, yeah. You know that awkward moment when someone puts a microphone in front of you or like a camera and you're like, like, I don't know what to say. It was What surprised me the most was how organic the conversation was and that even though it's being recorded and even though there's going to be a lot of people that are going to hear back on it, it was as if we're just talking just casually. Yeah, yeah. It was very casual. I liked it. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS. You're listening to Youth Rising by NCS. Next up, you're going to hear a story on fast fashion. We're so interested to really delve into this topic, especially as sustainability is so current right now. I think we've seen it so much recently, but young people are really leading in the movement of sustainability. But it's a really interesting topic, and I think there's so many factors that come into it. More sustainable clothes are often more expensive, unfortunately, which means we can't always afford those kind of levels of clothing. But anyway, we thought it would be really interesting to get an insight from the people that are really pushing the movement of sustainable fashion. We armed our reporter, Pubadika, with a mic, and she went down to Covent Garden for the sustainable fashion event, Saved from Waste. At the event, you'll hear her speak with the event organisers, the women behind Fast Fashion Therapies, and attendees of the event to find out more about this topic. Hi, my name's Pabadika and I'm at Covent Garden right now. I'm attending an event called Save From Waste. I'm going to be talking to Sarah and Eleanor who are running this project about raising awareness about the fashion industry's impact on the environment and how we can contribute to help save the environment. They're running a workshop on how we can recycle and reuse our clothes by altering them. And I'm really excited for it, but I'm also a bit nervous, so let's see how it goes. Hi, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Christabel Reed. I am the co-founder of Advaya Initiative and Eco Resolution. Can you tell me why you organised this project and what this project's about? Yeah, so uh, we organised this because, well, first of all, we got um, offered a bunch of clothes from a designer who said they were going to chuck them away or they just didn't really know what to do with them. And so we said, well, maybe we'll take them and we can sell them, raise some money. And then we got lots of other designers and some celebrities like Cara Delevingne donated a bunch of stuff um, and Shailene Woodley. And I guess the idea behind it is that... so it's about like you know these clothes already exist a lot of them are not made ethically but like they exist so we may as well just sell them because people want them and to raise good money for the ecosystems but then also we've got all these workshops going on to like try and renew and reset our mindsets on waste and consumerism so there's the fast fashion therapy drop-in where you can come and repair any loved items that you have and then we also have things about uh like uh reusing your 
coffee grinds and your lemon rinds, turning them into beauty products or home, like home cleaning products. Why did you decide to talk about like fashion? So um, the fashion in well, fashion and textile industry is the second biggest polluter after, and I think it has more pollution and CO2 emissions than all um, aeroplane travel and maritime travel combined. Um, and also, it's not just that; it's also like the plastics that are involved in fashion, the microplastics that are involved in the fashion. Um, there's a huge environmental impact, but also the social impact. So it's like an ecological and human rights crisis, um, and there's very little awareness of it um, so we run something called eco resolution where we encourage people to make resolutions um, to make shifts in their behavior to inspire systemic change and it's all about pushing awareness out because you know it's very hard to say I'm not going to support fast fashion I'm not going to buy these new clothes because when you walk down the high street or when you open a magazine turn on the telly everything is telling you to do the the opposite so the only way we can become very grounded and rooted in our values is by constantly re-engaging and remembering why it is that we don't want to support these terrible systems that are just ripping our planet apart and ripping humans livelihoods apart as well um so fast fashion is a big, big topic. It's also an interesting one when you think about consumerism in general, because you have this growth-based economy, which is causing such um, destruction to our planet. But the, the mental health aspect of that, when you're growing up in a growth-based economy, when you're being taught that you always need to have more, 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 you need to be better, 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 make more and more money so you can buy and buy and buy. And it's like, that is that is the opposite of being like feeling connected and present and satisfied and belonging and having meaning in life and you know just being like grounded in in, in where you are and, and and that is I think mentally a huge problem for young people so I I see like the growth-based economy is like really linking obviously with consumerism but also linking mental health and environmental degradation together so we need to kind of try and renew our mindsets on this and um, have a bit of a revolution to how we approach shopping and <laughs> consumerism. Hi, can you introduce yourself first? Hi, my name's Annie, Annie Doval. Can you tell me a bit about why you're here today? I'm here because I've downloaded some clothes. I have a shop in Ibiza and I very much believe in the fact of buying sustainable things, of course, but also buying for life and not buying fast fashion, buying something that you keep and you treasure and you pass down to years on years and buying quality. What made you learn about fast fashion and its impacts? Um, I mean, I've always known about fast fashion. I opened my shop seven years ago and I've always been a supporter of young brands and brands making things at home and things which, which isn't contributing to the massive problem of fast fashion. I've always been an advocate of it. I'm Samuel and I'm 18. Um, can you tell me a bit about why you're here today? So. I tend to wear my clothes for as long as I can. I get hand-me-downs and I also get sales. Um, most of the clothes I'm wearing today are all from sales or uh, I bought something here, but most of it is I want to learn how I can sew my clothes and basically make the most out of what I have um, just because most of my mates probably buy a new piece of clothing once every two weeks. Um, and I think... If I can show them how to sew their clothes and influence them, then it will definitely help with this fast fashion problem we have. Can you introduce yourself and tell me why you're here today? 
My name's Eleanor and I'm doing a workshop series called Fast Fashion Therapy. Uh, we were asked to come here today as part of a kind of sustainable event because we run workshops teaching repair, alteration and upcycling skills to help people to be more sustainable with their fashion buying habits. How can your regular listener dress sustainably and economically? Um, yeah, I mean, I would agree with a lot of that. You know, like I... I can't afford to buy sustainable brands all the time. And there is obviously an issue that it costs more, but it's kind of, and it's something that has to change in the whole of society so that everyone's paid a better wage. And that's why it's such a big thing to change because it's a societal change. Hi, my name is Jessie Adler. Could you tell me a bit about why you're here today and uh, what you've gained from this workshop? So I'm here because I love clothes <laughs> and I love fashion and I love a good bargain of course as everyone does and since moving to London I've had my eyes open to the extraordinary toxicity of the fast fashion world and the fashion world in general and it's really special in London the uh, secondhand shopping community is unlike anything I've ever experienced and it's opened up this whole new world of secondhand and charity shops and fixing things and taking on your own style like with your craft and it's really exciting. Um, can you tell me a bit about any of the items you worked on and how they've changed this, um, from when you bought them in? So a lot of them were things that I would have thrown out in the past. Um, like most women, I have thighs. And so my jeans tend to wear out in between the thighs. And then I have like holes and nobody likes that. It feels weird. It looks weird. So in the past, I would have thrown those out. And this time around, I came in with three pairs of jeans and, um, and patches and they helped me figure it out. And like, I, I don't have an iron at home. I don't have a sewing machine at home. And it was really awesome to not have to go and buy those things because I don't have the money for that. I'm a student. I don't have income. Um, and it was really nice to not have to throw out my favorite pair of jeans that I've loved for years. So where I'm from, the secondhand community is entirely different. The concept of charity shops is very new to me. Um, we do have chains like the Salvation Army and Goodwill, but those are very much in terms of style, like extraordinarily different than what the charity shops here offer, especially in terms of their names. Like it's really, it's really wonderful to see the clothes that they've gathered and donated and, on, and these kilo sales. We definitely, we do not have kilo sales. I haven't been to one yet, but I know they exist. And I know that's where a lot of really great finds come from. And the general attitude towards secondhand, like the only thing we have back home is vintage. And I'm coming to learn that those are very different. And the vintage that we have is very expensive. It's, you'll see a really nice coat and it's still whatever, like $200. And I don't have that kind of money, but it's really special to have these fantastic clothes that deserve a longer life and to be worn and loved for a price point that fits everybody. We just don't have that. Right, so I'm leaving the event right now and I'm leaving with new eyes and I can see my fashion habits and my shopping habits in, in a better light and I, can, I'm, I feel um, significantly more educated in terms of fast fashion and its effects and I think I'll be a bit more thoughtful about my purchases. Thanks to Pibadika for that report on fast fashion. I myself have to be so honest, 
I really, really like buying clothes. There's ASOS packages at my door way too often than there should be. But I think it's important that everyone kind of tries a bit, um, whether it's shopping in charity shops, big up anyone who already does. I think it's really, really um, respectful and honourable. Um, and maybe even just searching the sustainable section on ASOS. That's what I've started doing recently to maybe try and be a bit better. Once again, we're taking a look at the podcast process and hearing from a number of members on the team about their experience. Every week, we have a production meeting where we discuss the podcast topics and next steps of the editorial process. Here's Sophie explaining how she felt after our first production meeting. And after Sophie, you'll hear Pubadika reflect on her experience at the Saved From Waste event. So we've just had our first phone call for the podcast and I am very excited because my topic got chosen honestly wasn't expecting it at all and fast fashion is such a big thing now especially with the environment being so huge so it's definitely something exciting to listen to and but yeah I'm so excited to see what the stories are that they and who they get to speak to yeah <laughs> so like whenever I walk into a shop now I think about more than just like oh that looks good I'm gonna buy it and it's a good deal I'm gonna think well does this like really represent me um is it sustainable is it gonna help someone is it gonna be a long-term investment is it useful I'm gonna ask all these questions and I think it'll be important because in the future I'll be able to make better like deals like a better investments it's nice to know that I can do this where I kind of like just randomly pop up and talk to strangers about something that means a lot and it's it's a really productive conversation and it, it's something that matters that needs to be talked about um, um also in terms of what was surprising it was surprising to know that so many people knew about the impact of the fast fashion industry and pretty much everyone here had something to say about um how they can contribute to make a better like difference in the world in terms of fast fashion um so it was really insightful in that sense Thanks so much for joining us on our first Youth Rising podcast by NCS. Each episode will bring you stories that matter to young people. And next week, we're discussing mental health in young men and feminism. If you've been inspired by the stories in this podcast, visit wearencs.com to find out how you can get involved. Youth Rising. Youth Rising. Youth Rising. By NCS.